This podcast is brought to you by FanshareSports.com, a website that compiles and curates the weekly recommendations of daily fantasy industry experts for you to gauge which players will be the most popular and which players are going overlooked. Head on over to FanshareSports.com and check it out. Welcome, everybody, to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. This will be the last slate-centered podcast of the season. Super Bowl, Rams, Patriots, showdown slates. It gets better than this. But this is all we have for this week. Uh, I'm currently on my ride in to school. We have a two-hour delay thanks to the frigid temperatures across the country, though I'm not sure how going from negative 2 at 8 o'clock to 2 degrees at 10 o'clock makes much of a difference. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, One quick note before we get into the slate is that this will not be the last podcast of the season. I will put together a lessons learned slash 2018-2019 takeaway podcast, kind of things that stuck out to me. And I've also uh, inquired some of the brightest minds in the industry, TJ Hernandez, Ryan Hodge, Elliot Christ, Anthony Amico, John Kelly, Eric McClung, uh, and more on their takeaways, their lessons learned this year, how things changed, if something was reinforced that they've always done. Uh, I had them rip me a two or three minute quick recording on things that they took away from the season as well. That'll be also included in the podcast. So that should be a really informative podcast that we can listen throughout the off season and, and take into the 2019 season for sure. Okay, let's get started on this showdown Super Bowl slate. The first thing we have to do is make sure we are building our rosters around a game script, right? So there could be a blowout, it could be a blowout, right? What happens if the Pats beat the Rams 40 to 17? How is how would a roster look that would win a GPP if the Pats score 40 points, the Rams score 17? Um, what if it's a shootout? What if it's a game like last year? If it's if it's 45-35, what is our roster going to look like in that case? Uh, and then, I mean, then the, then the, it could be anywhere in the middle, right? I mean, we could have a, a defensive slugfest. Uh, what happens if it's 2013? What happens if it's just anywhere in the middle? What happens if it's 27-17? You know, not necessarily a slugfest, not necessarily a blowout, not necessarily a shootout, how are we going to create our rosters going from there? So let's take a look at the salaries and let's take a look at both teams that we have to choose from. So let's do this by game script. I think that'll be an easier way to um, go about thinking about how we're going to build our rosters. If it's a defensive battle, uh, I think obviously we're going to want the kickers and the defenses, probably not both, uh, not both kickers, not both defenses, because then you're really limiting your upside. But in a slugfest, you have to think about what teams or what players on each team can still put up decent fantasy days, despite the fact that there aren't a lot of touchdowns scored. And that's going to be your wide receivers, basically anybody that catches passes, really. Um, so and that basically that's because it's a PPR site. Uh, mainly we talk DraftKings on this podcast, 
So someone like James White um, could go 10 for 60 through the air. You know uh, how Brady loves to check down like crazy. So James White is someone who could reasonably see 15 to 20 fantasy points without scoring a touchdown. Same goes for Julian Edelman, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. So in a defensive battle, or if you, t- if you think a team uh, in general isn't going to score a ton of points, that's who you target on that specific team. They're pass catchers, players that you think can rack up the receptions despite not getting in the end zone might be able to make a decent fantasy day. Before I go any further, uh, Kevin Cole from Roto Grinders, uh, again, make sure that you check out his article. I think if you just type it into the Google, it'll come up. Maybe type in Kevin Cole Showdown. He did a great piece that is free on Roto Grinders that tells you, uh, it's, it's in chart form, basically how often a player appears in a winning showdown lineup based on game script. Right, so it'll say high scoring, you know, a shootout, both teams score a ton of points. Quarterback one or the favored quarterback was in the lineup 90% of the times. Uh, the underdog quarterback in a shootout is in the winning lineup 60% of the time. So you can get uh, an idea of when a game script goes a certain way, who is in that lineup, who's in the winning lineup. Now, word to the wise here. Obviously, in a one-game sample Super Bowl, it could be things could go completely awry and not follow that pattern, uh, but it just gives you a, a good start, right? So you can kind of figure out where you should target certain players. Uh, in a shootout, you obviously want to have both quarterbacks. Pass-catching running backs will be my... Um, my go-to, James White. I'm going to have basically a ton of James White this weekend. A lot of Julian Edelman. I think people are going to try and shy away from Edelman because he is the most expensive player. I really like Edelman, especially in in the DraftKings PPR format because no matter if the Patriots blow the Rams out, it's a close game, it's a slugfest, whatever kind of game script appears in this the Super Bowl on Sunday, I think Edelman and White have a pretty clear path to a double-digit floor. So I, I think those are the guys. I think if the game, if, the, if you're planning on projecting the Patriots to score a lot of points, you get Gronk in your lineup, he's probably going to see some end zone or red zone equity there if the Patriots are moving the ball a ton. And then salary saving-wise... Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, Rex Burkhead are all guys that you probably should take flyers on if you're creating multiple lineups. And I think I would go after them in game scripts where I would project the Patriots score uh, a ton of points. I do, one caveat is I think Philip Dorsett, based on the fact he is targeted in the red zone a lot by Brady, I don't know what it is, but Brady likes going after him in the red zone, probably because Edelman and, and Gronk see a ton of attention when they get closer to the end zone that Philip Dorsett's usually the one that's singled up and that's where Brady picks on the the defense he has seen a lot of red zone targets he's caught a touchdown in his last three games I believe but I think Philip Dorsett no matter the game script is definitely in play as well I like Rex Burkhead we saw what he could do he could punch in a bunch of touchdowns down close near the goal line Um, the issue 
with Sony Michelle is the Patriots are kind of showing their hand when he's in the game. The defense knows that he's going to run. So I think the fact of the matter is a lot of times they put Burkhead in shotgun formation near the goal line because uh, it doesn't tip the Pats' hand there. The issue on the Rams' side of the ball, uh, which I've seen brought up a lot this week, is their strength kind of plays into the Patriots' strength, right? So the Patriots have a really good secondary and a really good pass rush. So what happens is they like the Patriots like to be in nickel. They like to be in dime. They like to have more defensive backs on the field rather than linebackers because their linebackers are their weakness. So what I've seen a lot of speculation this week is that the Rams are going to go a little bit heavier, a little bit 12 personnel, a little bit of 22 personnel maybe even, where they have multiple tight ends, multiple backs on the field, and they don't have uh, Josh Reynolds on the field. And what that will do is that will force the Patriots to – keep their linebackers on the field, maybe be in base formation a little bit more than they would normally against three wide receiver sets. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. I think that would be smart of McVay to do to take advantage of the Patriots' weakness. We could also see the Patriots say, beat us with the run. But I don't think that'll be the case based on the fact that the Rams are a really good run team. They could just pound C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley all game long if the Patriots are trotting out a sub package. For the Rams side of the ball, I think Gurley is a little bit more involved in Super Bowl week. Uh, I, I know he wasn't on the injury report leading up to conference championship week, but I really do think that there may have been an issue. Uh, I think that he's going to be the focal point as far as the running back goes in this game. Number one, because he's a much better pass catcher, and I think that Goff is going to have to get the ball out a little bit earlier against this Patriots pass rush. Um, And I also think if it works out that Josh Reynolds is off the field, and this happened, I believe, maybe week 17 of the season. No, it was week 16. Week 16 of the NFL season, uh, the Cardinals were very beatable against the run, so they came out two, uh, two tight end sets a lot, the Rams did, and Reynolds only saw like 40% of the snaps. Because of that, I hopped on him a ton in Week 17 after his down game, and he did end up doing pretty well. So I, I think that the Rams are definitely going to play to what they feel is the Patriots' weakness, and that is having... Uh, their linebackers on the field, getting them into base defense a lot. So I think we could see, you know, some eye formation with multiple tight ends, uh, you know, some tight formations with only two wide receivers. So that does that mean I'm not going to have Josh Reynolds? It probably is going to mean that I am underweight on him because I really do think that McVay should implore, employ this tactic of, you know, keeping the Patriots linebackers on the field. As far as their wide receivers go, I really like Brandon Cooks. I think he has the most potential to be the best captain on the the Saints from an ownership perspective. I don't know how many people are going to be putting Brandon Cooks in the captain. Um, I'm not sure who the Patriots see, and nobody knows this. So if you see if somebody is saying that they know this, they're wrong. They don't know how Bill Belichick is going to attack this defense, this offense. 
I don't know who the Rams value as the <clears throat> Saints' number one wide receiver because normally what happens is they put Stephon Gilmore on one receiver and then they double up or at least have cloud coverage safety help over the top of another receiver. If you ask me, I think Gilmore is going to be on Robert Woods and the help over the top is going to be on Cooks, mostly because Cooks is the more of the deep threat. So that's who I would probably want um, bracket coverage on. I could be wrong, though, and, and like I said, nobody really knows for sure how they're going to come out on Sunday. Um, but I think Brandon Cooks probably has the best chance at that one splash play that helps you meet value uh, and gets you a ton of points in that captain slot. As far as the running backs, I mean, I think if I had to rank them, I think i go White Gurley, Anderson, Michelle, Burkhead. I really think that Sony Michelle is going to struggle. I could be completely wrong. I think the Patriots are going to try to establish the run, but I don't know how much success they're going to have given uh, the Rams' two hogs in the middle there. And, you know, Michelle really isn't a guy that can play in all downs in all situations, or at least I shouldn't say that. He is. He caught passes at Georgia for the most part. But he's really not a guy that the Patriots have put in the game when they needed to throw the ball. So I think I'll be underweight on Sony Michelle Based on his last few weeks, uh, he's played pretty well. I think his ownership should be decent. We could take some advantage of that leverage there. I'd rather play Rex Burkhead for the savings. Despite the fact that I didn't like Gronk last week, I did well. But I'm going to have him in my lineup this week. Probably going to look to get him the ball for sure. Uh, but really, honestly, guys, on a, sh- on a showdown slate, it's important to have the correlation. Um, so always before you start mashing buttons on DraftKings or FanDuel, make sure that you are thinking beforehand of what type of game script you are building out in each lineup. Um, if you need help figuring out who to jam into these lineups when a certain game script arises, obviously, like I said, make sure you check out that article on Roto Grinders. It's really uh, good resource. I believe there's even one that tells you who to put in your captain slot for for different scenarios as well. Um, but the fact of the matter is, the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to be the team where the low owned player comes from, um, because the Rams' offense is pretty concentrated. The caveat that I that I will bring up to that is if they do go too tights or have heavier formations more prevalent on Sunday, then I could see maybe Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby catching a touchdown possibly too or just smashing their their value at their current price if they decide to do that uh, and, and kind of take Josh Reynolds off the field. So I think Everett and Higby are going to be dart throws that I put in, that I mix in around the more popular guys. I also think, I really think Philip Dorsett is going to be super popular this weekend. Like, I know he's probably, like, fourth in line uh, on the Patriots, maybe fifth in terms of who we would think would get the targets. But he's just been so clutch over the last few weeks that I think he's going to be uh, in a lot of lineups. Plus, he's pretty cheap. So, given that, I think he will be in a lot of lineups maybe the ancillary piece for the Patriots we could pivot to is someone like 
Rex Burkhead or potentially Chris Hogan, uh, and these are dart throws. Um, I wouldn't, if you're building multiple lineups, have them in, in, in a large percentage, um, but especially if you're playing in these contests that have 150 max entries, you're going to have to get a little weird. I wouldn't, I would say this, it's one game, um, it's very possible that Brady could have a monster game. Um, he could throw a touchdown to Gronk, Edelman, and James White. And also the Rams defense could take him for a pick six or a sack fumble. And the Rams are in the same winning lineup as Brady, right? Because there's just not a ton of options to choose from. So if one of these defenses gets a pick six or some type of return touchdown, they may be in the winning lineup despite the fact that they're the opposing team scored a ton of points. So I wouldn't be afraid to uh, put the Rams defense in with a Patriots dominant lineup and vice versa. Now, that's obviously not a correlation that we are going to throw into a ton of our lineups, but I don't, th- I don't think that I would completely stay away from it. Uh, the fact of the matter is you're going to have to, I mean, here's the thing. If all five or all six positions in the lineup are chalky, then you're probably going to end up splitting a first-place prize if you do, in fact, win a GPP or take down a GPP. You just have to, that just has to be something that you accept at this point. Um, but I do think that getting a little weird in one roster spot with a Rex Burkhead, with uh, the Pats defense... And the other thing is, even if you have chalky guys, you could have a unique combination, right? So playing Rex Burkhead and James White, playing Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, um, playing a team stack with the opposing defense is definitely not going to be popular. Uh, so for that, at that point, you, you would definitely have a unique lineup. Maybe playing both kickers uh, in, in hopes that there's a ton of field goals scored. Uh, you just have to get unique in some way, shape, or form, um, whether it's with an, an ancillary part of these offenses that just happens to hit or just a combination that others might not be thinking of. Okay, guys, that will do it for our showdown podcast. Sorry that was not very structured. That was just a lot of rambling. There, there really wasn't much uh, on a one-game slate to really dissect without giving you my exact favorite plays, my thoughts. Uh, Please remember, there will be one more podcast to end the 2018-2019 season. Uh, As I said, we have a ton of guys from around the industry, sharp guys, that are going to highlight something that they've taken away, that they are going to carry into the 2019-2020 season. Uh, with them or at least keep an eye on if it is something that stuck out to them so be on the lookout for that podcast probably going to publish that uh, next week at some point to end the season bang you just heard me put it into gear that is that means i am at my destination good luck in your showdown slates Be on the lookout for our end of the season Lessons Learned podcast. See you guys.